0: Welcome back to The Lives of Writers, a podcast presented by Autofocus, an online lit mech dedicated to artful autobiographical writing, which you can read today at autofocuslit.com and follow on Twitter and Instagram at autofocuslit. I'm the publisher and editor of Autofocus, Michael Wheaton. Today on the show, I talk with Sean Berman. Sean Berman is the editor of The Daily Drunk, an online journal for humorous writing, you can find his own published work all over the internet and in his collection of poems, Mr. Funny Man, and also his collection of essays, At The Movies, both of which came out this year in print. All right, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Sean Berman.
1: Yeah, I'm in New York. been here almost three and a half years at this point. It's been a lot. We are in a 350 square foot studio with two cats. We thought it was a good idea to get another cat during lockdown because one 16-pound cat wasn't enough at the time. So we said, let's, let's try this. The other cat needs a friend. Fuck our sanity.
0: 350 square feet?
1: Yeah, we've upgraded to 500 square feet now. Wow. Yeah. So where are you in the city? We moved to the Upper East Side, and it sounds very bougie to say we live on the Upper East Side, but Brooklyn got so expensive that when the when the pandemic happened, all the prices in the city were just going down. So we could live in Manhattan for the same price as Brooklyn. We said, "Fuck it,
0: let's do it." What's it like now? I mean, things have kind of opened up, but then like the variants come in, and we're here, and yeah, you know, we're like, what's going? What is it like? Is it like a ghost town there, or is it? No, kind of...
1: no, man. It's
0: it's definitely picking up. It's it's
1: it's been pretty fun. It's it's weird to say because half the country is still dealing with this shit, and then, now we have the variant, but. It's been great because I've met a bunch of people on Twitter who are also writers in the New York area, and we've been hanging out a lot, and that's been cool. So everything's picking up. Fingers crossed we got like some daily drunk events coming up at bars soon. We have um, this one daily drunk event at Greenpoint Beer this Thursday. So what brought you to New York? Like, Where did you come from? Where were you before that? I was up in upstate New York in Albany, the area, and my, my partner had got a job down in New York working – at Memorial Sloan and I wasn't really doing too much at the time she goes we're gonna we're gonna move to New York you okay with that I was like fuck well I'm not doing anything I'm working at some crappy job so might as well did you grow up in Albany I did I grew up there my whole life I went far away to college right down the street to the local college (laughs) wasted a bunch of money rooming at the dorms because I was like I don't want to live at home I want the college experience down the road but I still went home, did my laundry there, ate there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you know starting The Daily Drunk. Did you start it in the pandemic?
1: Yeah, man. It was it was one of those pandemic projects, like a lot of these magazines had been. needed something to focus my time on. I had been mm-hmm. laid off from work. And I was like, I, I don't know what really to do to fill all this time that I have. And I'd always had an inclination to start some sort of magazine, but I, I have no background in that, really. I, I went to undergrad for English, so, so I was exposed to that a little bit, but it was just something that I thought would be fun at the time. My my partner had, she bought me the URL for the Daily Drunk, she goes, why, why not do this? I'm tired of you talking about it, why not try it? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's so cool. we I started that late March last year, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, don't know where this is going, let's try it. And it sort of, sort of took off, I guess. We got a little community going, and that's pretty cool. And to this day, I'm still like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Just kind of winging it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you did it pretty quickly into the pandemic. Do you think, do you think you would have done it anyway? Or was it kind of like, I don't know. I, I hate saying that where it's like, thank God for the pandemic.
1: I wouldn't have this no. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but the work was just so busy at the time. I don't, there's, there's no way I would have started it if things had remained normal. So
0: about when did you get laid off?
1: It was pretty early in the process. They, they, Right around the same time, like beginning of March, they're like, well, we don't need you really anymore. Yeah. They're like We might bring you back. And so there was like hope the whole summer. I'm like, well, this is a nice extended vacation. And then August <laughs> comes. They gave me the call. I'm like, okay, I'm coming back. Everything's going to pick up. We don't need you anymore, actually. Really? <laughs> so I was like, okay. I." I, I and, and that's when I started putting even more time into it. Yeah. Trying to figure out what projects can, can happen out of this. What were you doing uh, for work? Yeah, I was, I was working at a publishing place doing audiobooks and doing some like digital marketing for that. So I, I, I guess in a way, a, a lot of the stuff that I learned there kind of translated over.
0: Yeah. So your idea kind of was it start a, a humor mag or was it like a pop culture mag or was just like yeah um, was that always kind of the plan from the start or did that just kind of evolve as you started getting things i think at first it was a humor place it was always a humor place at first and
1: then because of the pandemic i started writing more again too so i started writing more more of this pop culture inspired pieces and i was like there's there's no place to really send pop culture pieces. Where do I send a poem about SpongeBob? <laughs> where do I send a poem about Stone Cold Steve Austin? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I could be a place where people come and send that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's kind of taken a, a mind of its own. So I'm really glad when people think like pop culture now or humor, it's like, yeah, you we know, drunk.
0: Absolutely. And it's definitely, you know, I think taken off because it's feeling, you know, kind of hole (laughs) in the the community. I like to think autofocus is doing that in a a very different way for a very different thing, but I do think that there was a hole there, like for humor, you know, I think of like, okay, you can send it to what McSweeney's? Well, they have a very, very specific thing they do. You have to basically write the piece for them and then hope they take it, which is fine. I mean, it's short humor reading, it's no sweat off your back, but it's just like, you can't just write something and then send it (laughs) to them. No, they're the pinnacle of humor. Yeah. I hope one day to
1: be a part of that,
0: but (laughs) send your McSweeney rejects to me. I will gladly take them.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, other than them, I know there's a few others like I have on a list somewhere and if one of them happens to be listening to this, I'm sorry, I don't remember the names. <laughs> but, you know, that's about it
1: yeah, <laughs> that I can tough. really think
0: of. And yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have a magazine out there that's kind of wild, <laughs> like yeah, in that yeah. kind of stuff it takes. Whereas like most humor sites have their very, very specific right. brand. And I think you have a, a specific brand of humor too on the site, but it's very open as well. And I've, I'll have i see things kind of pop up that I hadn't seen on the site before. And it's it's just nice to see that like, you know, really cool or funny pieces. Right. That would just sit in your folder. Like, oh, they finally can go. (laughs) go I've had so
1: many people tell me, like, I wrote this Fast and Furious poem on the toilet. I never thought (laughs) I would see the light of day. I wrote this in two (laughs) minutes in my car about Batman. I was like, hell yeah, yeah, this is, this is what
0: we want. And, and it's, it's cool. And, you know, I'm relatively new, I'd say like into the, like online, you know, like literary community world, but it's so nice to see places where it's just fun yeah. to be a yeah. writer and that was never like my mo <laughs> like right, when i was right, getting right. into writing you know i think there was some humor in my work maybe but not very much but i considered myself a funny person so it was kind of odd mm-hmm. <laughs> that like i I, you know, that. I was talking to a friend of mine and we were always joking around but like sometimes when you <laughs> read a work or at least in the past you know it wasn't there and then kind of like coming into the you know literature on the internet and just seeing Mm -hmm. you know these places where it's just like the p like a lot of the pieces are great and it but it's just it's just fun to be there yeah (laughs) and to to see what's going on there and you know to become a part of it it's just something i've really you know appreciated seeing and and it has kind of you know for me been the pandemic yeah (laughs) that was like you know i we have a nice community here in Orlando and mm-hmm. you know, I've been involved in that, but you know, in the pandemic, it's like, where else are you going to go? And
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting to connect with this community over the last year and a half. I I'm, I'm kind of new to this too. Probably the same time. I started the daily drunk. I had no idea. There was this huge Twitter community out there. Yeah, it, It's really helped. You make these connections where you send each other your pieces and you get this feedback and, I know my partner doesn't want to listen to my stories and my poems anymore. So it was, it was great to meet like-minded people for sure.
0: Uh, yeah. And then recently you put out um, your book of poems through the Daily Drunk. So you started the press and yeah. um, that one's Mr. Funny Man. And um, so when did it kind of, where in the process of doing the Daily Drunk were you're, were you, and, and starting to write again, as you said, that you were just like, okay, I'm going to put it out. Myself.
1: Well, this this book I, I thought was plagued from the beginning. It had a couple publishers from the start. Oh, really? And it fell through, funny enough. So, like, the third time I go, well, let's try it through the Daily Drunk. Third time's the charm, maybe. If not, I'm going to sink my own press. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this book was cursed. So, the third time I go, let's, let's do it here. I, I've been wanting to get into the print game for a very long time. Mm-hmm. That was always a goal of mine, to, to put out, collect, because we had done the digital stuff, and I, I thought that the next logical step would be put some print stuff out, put some collections out. And it's, I, I guess I was the guinea pig for that, so that worked out yeah. great. And then the next step is, is is gonna put out other people's writing, and I, I love doing that. I love promoting other people. I, I love sharing their work. I had no idea that this would ever be in a position for myself to do.
0: Brothers. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way, you know, in listening to you kind of talk about it. It's, you know, definitely not the same story, but it's a very parallel sto- right, story. Right, right. Of, I mean, there are a lot of pandemic zines. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to, you know, piggyback on what you said, like you, I was always something I've been kicking around yeah. um and wanting to do. And... I didn't really feel like I had the right idea for it at the time. And then, you know, pandemic and, you know, just yeah. stuck in my house with my, you know, wife and kids for <laughs> however long and, you know, feeling stuck creatively like so many, so many oh, people. Yeah. yeah, And I was like, well, you know, why don't, now is the time like <laughs> to just kind of do this, why not? I f- you know? Yeah. And kind of like, like what I found was I, like, I was surprised by how much joy, I've really gotten from being able to work with other people and and put out their stuff and, you know, give great works home and meet so many people. And it's become, I don't know if you kind of feel the same way, but, you know, if I'm not getting in X amount of writing time that I'd like to get in that week or something, and it's because I've been doing too much for autofocus or the podcast, like I'm fine with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I feel, you know, satisfied creatively.
1: Yeah, I I do feel fulfilled doing this a lot. And... I, I love reading submissions. It's my favorite part of it. Just yeah. Seeing what the hell comes through. There's so many so many of our writers Send their stuff, they're so smart and witty. It's like, I could never think
0: of that, yeah. And, and you know, and it inspires your own stuff, too. yeah, for sure, yeah. And so, um, you know, I enjoyed reading that book, and it's it just refreshing to read to come to poems that it's just like funny, shit yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like absolutely no pretension, it's just wild titles, you know, connecting all your various pop culture interests, yeah. and a lot of it's just like laugh out loud stuff. And
1: <laughs> I'm glad you,
0: glad you feel that way, yeah. And a lot of it's just like so much joy of it is like I don't I think I've talked about this before it's just when you see someone writing about something that you like to watch or listen to or something yeah. like that it's like that and it's just like a friend like yeah you know it's you bond over the silliest thing sometimes you both just like spongebob or whatever you're the fuck right you like. and a lot of those poems will come from like
1: a text conversation you'll have with your friend or your brother and they'll bring up all oh, that that shooter mcgavin he's such a shithead and, and that will spark an idea i'm like he is a shithead yeah. i hate shooter mcgavin i'm gonna write a poem about how much i hate shooter mcgavin
0: yeah but you have such a, f- a fun way of like bringing something that's like Almost seems esoteric, pop culturally, <laughs> and then just like relating it to a life situation. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. it's fun just to see like when you read a title and kind of get an idea of what you're gonna go into, and then you and then you're like, where is this gonna go? And it'll just go. <laughs> you think it's gonna be like what the title suggests, and then it just like has a few lines and takes the wildest turn.
1: Right. And sometimes <laughs> and like, I have no yeah.
0: idea. I have no idea where I'm going with this stuff. Just kind of let it. Do its own. And then so and then you just had um at the movies come out and so those are essays. You know, it's it's the same kind of flavor but in a <laughs> in a different yeah. form. Yeah. You know, with with the essays and the poems, you know, one thing I was wondering when I w- I read the the book of poems first and then I read the essays and one mm-hmm. thing I was wondering was like in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, and come up with a title first. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah. and then you write it. How do you know, like, when you come up with those titles, and like, you're like, this is a great title. It's going to be something I write. How do you know when you're like, I'm going to write a poem, or like, I'm going to write this as an essay? That's tough. A lot, see, a lot of the essays kind of happened accidentally,
1: where where you start writing it. it. It a lot of them did start off as poems, and then you just keep writing, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm at 500 words. That's a long ass poem. Let's take some of the line breaks out. This this kind of works as an essay. And oddly enough, I'll very rarely start writing a piece without a title in mind. The title mm-hmm. for me is always always working as a prompt. It makes way to the rest of the poem. Without the title, I yep. got nothing. I, mm-hmm. I can't even begin writing.
0: And sometimes, yeah, I know, like, the, sometimes the title is the first line. Yeah. And then sometimes it's kind of like a springboard into kind of wherever you're going to go. And I don't know, maybe it's a dumb question, but, like, how do the titles come to you? Like, I imagine like you're in the shower or you're Mostly, driving yeah. or you're walking or you're like on the toilet. <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. like, I got it. <laughs> yeah. do you just like open a notes app or like an email to yourself or something? Yeah. A lot of my poems are written in the notes app, but probably 90%
1: of them. I'll yeah. just be listening to a Drake song. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. <laughs> to cuddle with me. He's damn right. Don't do that. I'm a, That's a title.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hate that. And, you know, one thing also that I noticed in both the poems and the essays is you're always, I believe I can't, I can't think of an exception off the top of my head, but you're, it's always um, like a direct address, Like you're always writing to the you. Yeah. And sometimes that you is like, feels like it's the reader, like you're writing to the reader, you know, sometimes that you feels like, Someone specific in your life, yeah. like your yeah. partner, particularly in the essays. But you know, maybe a fictionalized—not to suggest that you know—it's definitely. We'll, we'll know, go with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then you know, other times, it's not even like necessarily clear who the you is. There's just kind of this like fictional person, and it's like either your friend or something. Yeah. But there's always someone that someone that you're writing to, and that's actually one of my favorite things, you know, about. Your work is that that's so consistent. I'm glad. Um, and so when you come to your work, it's always the narrator having a conversation with someone. And you're either the person having the conversation that you can't, but you can't talk back or you're, right, just, right. Like, you're you're eavesdropping on it. And I was just wondering, like, you know, was that just something very like natural that happened with you? Or was this like a very intentional thing that you were like, you know, with the work, the kind of work I'm doing, I always want to do it. Yeah, to you. Yeah. so I used to do stand-up like every
1: early 20 guy did in college. I was going to ask about that. I, was yeah. Wondering, yeah. I wasn't very good, but <laughs> <laughs> of course, I learned very quickly that I suck, but I, I always wanted to do some sort of stand-up or comedy writing, and that whenever I'm writing my piece, I picture I'm on stage doing a short little set, so I try to keep it conversational like there's an audience in the room. I like to think the pieces do play for an audience listening.
0: So I always had that in mind. Did you find, like, when you just started drafting them, that, like, do you always know who the you is, I guess? Like, when you sit down to write, like, you have the title, do you consciously think, like, okay, I'm going to write this to my partner, or I'm going to write this to the reader, or I'm going to yeah, write yeah. this to some random kind of you? Like, do, do, is that something in intention you kind of set, or is it just kind of happening?
1: Sometimes it just happens. A lot of A lot of the poems and most of the essays are based on real-life events. But I always like to think just because I'm saying you doesn't mean – somebody reading it can't connect with it. We all have our favorite movie. We all have our favorite video game. We all have that time where our partner pissed us off so much and we can relate to that. It doesn't matter what it is. You can, Mm. you can reflect on that.
0: And what does your partner think of it? (laughs) Oh, they hate it. They, they will not read it. Do you like this? Yeah, sure.
1: Sure. I'm watching my show. Yeah. Yeah. They're supportive though. They, I couldn't ask for more. They support, they don't quite get it, but they, They appreciate it, I guess,
0: yeah. Do they, like... Kind of being a star. (laughs) Oh no, no, no!
1: We have a reading coming up, like uh, for the Daily Junction. Do not read the Guy Fury one about us being in a romantic relationship (laughs) with Guy Fury. My coworkers are coming. You can't read that.
0: Oh, that's one of the best ones. I said, "Watch me." (laughs) (laughs) You won't go to work for two months. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's good. So, you know, did you write all the poems and the essays during the pandemic, or were did, uh, did any of them predate? You know, kind of you start in the daily drunk.
1: Yeah, the essays were all written during the pandemic in such a short time, like maybe two, three months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And about halfway through, I, I looked, I go, I have about six of these. I, I think this is close for a collection. I don't know what I'm doing, but there, there's <laughs> something here. Um, the poems I started writing probably, probably three, four years ago, I never really took it seriously. I would submit on and off, but there was always like a poetry file on the computer. Right. But then when the pandemic picked up, I, you know, I was writing every day, and I, I quickly quickly added more poems to that. And so some of them were all pretty similar in theme. And what I'm trying to say is I didn't venture out to write a poetry collection. It just sort of happened. Right.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't thinking that in my mind.
0: But you did want to come to the poem form you know, as a place to put humor and, you know, poetry is usually not, when you think of poetry, you don't think humor. and When you think of humor, you're not like poems, but there are many great poets out there who are very funny and who, you know, just do funny shit sometimes or blend the funny and the serious, you know, but I was wondering kind of, you know, if there were any particular and it's okay if they're not, but if there were any like particular writers or poets that inspired you to be like, Poetry is a place where I can bring humor, and that's fun. I'm going to be honest; I, I did not. I don't read a lot of poetry
1: outside of writing. It's mm-hmm. weird. I just don't. I, I'm I'm more inspired by stand-up comedians or movies. I, I was always watching SNL at a young age and it, uh-huh. the monologues and that. And I don't know. I I never thought I'd be writing
0: poetry at all. Yeah. It's almost a bold move, right? To be like, I'm going to make funny poems. Yeah. And no, I think it's awesome because a lot of people don't think like, you know, to use the form for that and they'll go straight to essay. Yeah. And so, yeah, I found that, you know, interesting because sometimes like the word poetry can turn people off yeah. immediately, especially oh, yeah, people yeah. Who, who are into funny stuff. Yeah. I, I told family members I have a poetry book coming
1: out. Oh, poetry. That's not what you think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so were there any particular stand ups? Who you know like influenced you a ton when you were younger, or maybe are influencing you a ton right now as you're starting to draft this stuff?
1: Yeah, uh, obviously Adam Sandler. You can't go wrong with him. <laughs> just his 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 goofy, wacky nature, and he's just so personable. He he lays it out there for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I've always admired Chris Rock. His his ability to talk relationships and be so honest, and his his ability to story tell is, is amazing. I wish I wish I had. Half his talent of storytelling. Dimitri Martin's always a guy who seems like he's having fun, just tangents everywhere. A lot of stand-up.
0: And yeah, I definitely felt that. I did also want to ask you, like, how much do you really love <laughs> Adam Sandler? Oh, I love and him. And how much? And how much is it a shtick? <laughs> <laughs> I would say 50-50. I always <laughs> I see so, so much stuff on Twitter, and I'm like, "All right, he's doing that Adam Sandler thing with the, like the." Send, pay a dollar and you get the Adam yeah. Sandler picks of the month. So, how did this kind of like—is it too much to say obsession? How did the kind of Adam Sandler obsession start for you? Like, were you like just the right age when those like Happy I think Gilmore? So. And, I think so. Yeah. I
1: grew up during that. Uh, my dad was so tired of buying me these like shitty five-dollar toys that we just go to Walmart and go to the bargain five-dollar bin and pick out a VHS tape. And we'd always come home with, like, a new Adam Sandler one or a new comedy movie. Uh-huh.
0: And we'd watch those together. Yeah, I was really into Billy Madison, Oh yeah. <laughs> Happy Gilmore as a kid. They were... Hugely a part of my yeah. life. Yeah. Um, they still are though. No. Yeah, I mean he's got so many movies out and I mean he's kind of an interesting guy. I mean he's done all sorts of shit in his career and like what is he doing? I mean, he still puts out stuff I mean what was it, uncut gems he and then, crazy stuff. But like I wonder what that guy's daily life is just like. It's gotta be crazy. Like, I saw I saw some of these random pictures probably two months ago
1: where he just pulled up to a Long Island basketball court. And just started playing with a bunch of random people. How awesome is that to be Adam Sandler? I wish you were there. I I wish. (laughs) Of all people. Right. (laughs) Pass me the Brock. Come on, I'm
0: open. <laughs> it should have been you. Well, what's your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Do you have like a particular favorite one?
1: It's tough. It's either Billy Madison. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. That's so mm-hmm. fun. There's so many classic bits. The back to school, the, the penguin mm-hmm. who's drunk chasing around.
0: I still just randomly quote that movie. Oh, yeah. But I,
1: I, you also can't go wrong with Big Daddy. That's
0: oh yeah, that's such That a one classic. was really all over the heartstrings, too. It, really, it pulls at it.
1: And you got John Stewart
0: in there. Yeah. I think like that movie in particular, like signaled the coming of Judd Apatow movies Yes, where you could have movies that were like really wacky and hilarious, but like, triple down on the heart yeah, <laughs> like yeah more heart than you've ever seen in right, a right. slapstick comedy man child heart yeah <laughs> y-
1: you can't go wrong with that
0: so i'm assuming you also grew up in the 90s then <laughs> if, I if yeah. we're getting that if we're both having that kind of frame of reference yeah. but you know those comedies that came out back then like those sn snl comedies oh yeah and all those like even the non-SNL stuff, like Jim Carrey wasn't SNL, was he? And he had all those, you know, Ace Ventura and all those slapstick comedies. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And you don't see those anymore. They just don't no. make them. And, no. I mean, maybe they do and I don't see them I, I, or I just don't hear of so them. They're but straight
1: to Netflix. That's what yeah. they are. Yeah.
0: Just like 80s, like teen rom-coms was like very much a thing in the 80s. And right. they just kind of like went away. And I mean, they still had teen rom-coms, but you know when it's an 80s one. Oh yeah, and they they definitely the don't make American
1: they definitely don't make American Pie esque movies anymore. Those are long
0: gone. <laughs> that's probably, probably the that's best. Probably because they were so deeply offensive to <laughs> <Yes>. people. <laughs> Those won't ever make a comeback. But you know, people still use like terminology from like MILF and like yeah. all sorts of stuff is like I see people say that all the time on like Twitter I'm like do I even know what that's from <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just a part of everyday culture at this point I know it's so bizarre my favorite maybe not my favorite but definitely one of my favorites from the 90s like that lineup was like Wayne's oh, so and good. um I know and Tommy Boy the, yeah, da- the, the, said, the Farley yeah. Spade stuff those were gems you we really all can't go wrong with them. yeah <laughs> I think yeah. I wore out the VHS tape on Tommy Boy. Yeah. And then you were probably the same way. I feel like it was like a normal thing for people who grew up at that time. But like you had the VHS, but if it was on TV, you'd watch it on TV. Still, and I still like do even, it. Yes. <laughs> it's like thir- starts 30 minutes in, you know, everything's going to be bleeped yeah. out. You're going to have to sit through the commercials.
1: Everything's edited over, yeah. Just oh.
0: like, yeah, I'll watch this on Why TV. Not?
1: I have it on DVD. It's probably on Netflix, but I'll still watch it.
0: Yeah. Isn't that bizarre? Like I wonder what that is. Yeah, there's gotta be something <laughs> to it. And like my kids have not watched much regular TV in their lives. Mm. Like it's really bizarre to watch because they just get to choose. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's whatever you want. And then like I just like, you don't understand. I used to have <laughs> right, to sit at home watching the I mean the TV guide channel waiting to see when Nickelodeon's Doug would come on so that like I could finally watch that and like that was my day I'd kill a day Waiting just for waiting something around, to come yeah, up. yeah. <laughs> and then it, if you miss a
1: Arnold at 7 a.m., you're yeah. screwed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if you were unlucky, which was often, it would just be the thing you saw last time you watched it, <laughs> right, like right, it would right, be the rerun Again. of the recent episode. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, God. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> four hours on a Saturday, <laughs> but then you just happily watch it. And <laughs> you, 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 you suck it up, yeah. <laughs> were you a Nickelodeon guy too? Oh, definitely. Nickelodeon all the yeah. way. I feel like Nickelodeon shaped a lot of my world (laughs) in some weird way. Or like a lot of my sensibilities, like in a way that I really don't want to give it credit for. But like I mean the kinds of shows they had on, you know, when I was a kid, um it's truly bizarre stuff. Like Pete and Pete is weird. That's a weird show. (laughs) It's really weird. And it's great. But I think like '90s TV for kids was like constantly pushing it's the envelope. It's such a wild west. Yeah, Rockwell's modern life He Wasn't he a sex phone operator? <laughs> was he? I don't even <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh Yeah, there's, I mean, Ren and Stimpy's just The amount of Ren and Stimpy I watch oh. What does that do to a kid? I guess
1: it, it, it's got to do something I always loved the Double Dare 2000s Oh yeah That stuff as well For sure You and your mom are going to go Stand peeing around this obstacle course <laughs> She might break her neck but uh-huh. And, and you might win this toaster oven uh-huh. And this free mini waffle
0: maker How awesome is that? Yeah. Your mom can't walk, but you got this. And Mark Summers is going to give it to you. (laughs) Here's the slime Uh, for your prize. Right? Like, in what world is that guy famous on TV? Right.
1: for anything <laughs> I, I, I think about that green slime that they drenched on people uh-huh. like way too often like how hard do you think that is to get that out of your hair i wonder if it's fda approved oh it no it is it's food
0: um i remember this because when i was a kid i didn't yet live in orlando but we used to come <laughs> here like to go to the you know universal and mm-hmm. stuff and they had nickelodeon studios right, at right universal and you could go and like catch a taping of like um regular double dare or like all that or something if you were really lucky oh yeah (laughs) that's how you know you made it (laughs) and if they weren't taping something you just got this like tour Mm -hmm. and they always like picked someone from the audience and gacked them um (laughs) and i can't remember what it was but they were like you can eat it
1: i i feel like i read it's vanilla pudding it's got to be vanilla pudding, something like
0: that. can't remember what it was, but they're like, yeah, it's a liability. If this isn't edible, it's a liability. <laughs> right. So, Tommy got very sick. <laughs> it's probably just like super concentrated high fructose corn it's got, syrup. Yeah, yeah. It's edible. Sure, it's edible. <laughs> and then I know you were really into pro wrestling too. Oh, One yeah. One of the things... One of the things that when I saw you on Twitter, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be friends with this guy." Is you had a stone cold T-shirt on. I was like, "All right, <laughs> yeah. me and this guy are gonna be friends. Yes. I can feel it." <laughs> so I just, I just talked to DT Robbins recently, and and we talked a bit about pro wrestling, and it's and it's only right that we talk yeah. about it as well. That's funny. I was just texting DT about wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. So when did you, like, were you always into wrestling or, like, did you get into it in the Stone Cold era or were you, like, a, a classic, classic guy?
1: I had an older brother growing up, so he showed me the way the right way. So, <laughs> uh-huh. like, two, three years old, I'm running around diapers, I'm watching pro wrestling. I, I remember staying up, there was, like, ECW, WWF. <laughs> Who were, like, your guys? <laughs> oh, Stone Cold, man. I think the Attitude Era really cemented mm-hmm. my following. But I that, that whole era, I still go back and I'll watch, but you definitely weren't allowed to say this at the time but I love The Rock I love going back and watching Uh all The Rock stuff a soft spot for Taker
0: yeah um, Mask, Kane yeah I saw Undertaker retire at that Wrestlemania before he didn't retire like five times but you know what I always thought was funny is like it was amazing how there was just like a period of time five I don't know five years maybe ten where just like people would just go up to other people and tell them to suck it. (laughs) and It was completely normal. You'd have like little, like 12 year old girls come up to you and just be like, Oh yeah, suck it. And everyone did that. Yeah.
1: I used to do it in elementary school. I didn't know any better. My teacher would be like, do you want to do this homework (laughs) assignment? Sean? I go, "No." I cross my arms like X-Pac. Or or, I I remember like the first day of second grade or some shit like that. And the teacher was like, settle down. And I, went, hell no. I oh, I, didn't know. No. I saw Stone Cold <laughs>
0: do it. I thought it was fine. <laughs> and then you shotgunned a beer, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Smashed
1: it against my head. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Berman, there's something wrong with your kid. He's bringing Bud Lights to class.
0: <laughs> we used to have, I have two older brothers, too, and some cousins their age and kind of my age. And we had a, a much younger cousin and we used to show him wrestling and just <laughs> get him to imitate them. <laughs> Oh, to, man. I, his parents luckily thought it was funny, but we'd have him do. You remember Val Venus, the oh, yeah. the fake <laughs> exactly. porn star guy? And he'd come yeah. up and like put his hands behind his head and then yeah. like do the hip thing. Like, Hello, yeah. ladies! Well, we taught my like yeah. three year old cousin to do that when <laughs> he was I, really uh, little.
1: We used to bring out the stink face. That oh, was a, that's not an appropriate move anywhere, by the way. <laughs> I don't understand why the neighbors didn't want to play with me. <laughs> Because you stunk face him. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I was one of those kids who, like, my brothers would, like, do moves on me. Oh, yeah. Were you that, that way, too? Me and
1: my brother would beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. We'd have, like, the ketchup bottle, too. Oh, really? But we didn't know that they were faking it, so we'd hit each other over the head with, like, random crap in the house. Here's a here's a bowling trophy. Bam. <laughs> and then we'd start pouring ketchup over each other's face. Our parents oh. get so pissed. <laughs> off the top rope, we'd jump off the couch, give the people's oh, elbow. yeah a lot of fun i still remember all
0: that though i know there's been definitely moments i look back on where i'm like i am lucky (laughs) seriously here one time like my brother would like after school there would be like an hour and a half or so to like my mom got home (laughs) yeah and yeah. and we shared a room and he'd just be like Get on the floor. I'm going to put you in a short. <laughs> Let's see if this hurts. And it did.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, now see if you can break out of the walls of Jericho. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, nope. Still can't do it. I'm going to try this cripple cross face on you. How oh, that God. Feel? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one time we broke my mom's bed. He gave me like, oh, a bunch of German suplexes on it. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> Another time he picked me up for a power bomb in the living room and accidentally <laughs> just dropped me like a real powerbomb. Oh, bomb. man to the floor and you're still here though like gracefully really took the i know and then like in high school we'd have friends and like we'd get together on weekends and bring the camcorder oh yeah <laughs> did you ever do that kind of or like trampoline wrestling or stuff oh for like sure that.
1: we used to have those really stupid fake toy belts that you walk around in uh-huh and we yep. just pound each other over the head with them and <laughs> you champion of the world we stand on the couch and show it to everybody
0: oh man oh my god i know I don't know how we're still here. I know it's. I'm like worried about my kids watching wrestling. It's toned down now. It is, but I'm still terrified of. Them. Right, right. One time, um, their uh, aunt got them a trampoline for their birthday, which is in March, and I, I thought that I had kind of kept it away from them for the most part. I knew they'd seen like me watching it with my brothers or something. <laughs> yeah, and. They were outside and they were jumping on the trampoline. I was like, you know, gave the classic like dad yell, boys, you know, no roughhousing on the trampoline, right, right. that kind of thing. And my four year old son stops and goes, Dad, we're having a cage match. Right. <laughs> it's a hell in a cell. <laughs> I was like, Shit, I failed. <laughs> this happened
1: so quickly. Do you watch it with your boys now?
0: No, I'm still like, I'm still just like scared to show them because. They're just like, I don't know. I know what it's like. They're two years apart and they're really little. And I'm just like, I know they're going to kick the shit out of each other. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, it's like at the same time, they're going to kick the shit out of each other anyway. <laughs> do you let your cats watch? Oh, absolutely.
1: We bring them out, put on their little Stone Cold t-shirts. Here we go. Did you ever want to write for wrestling? Oh, that, that would be awesome to do right
0: now. Yeah. yeah. yeah Wouldn't it be I, the greatest job?
1: That'd be great to write like the greatest heel turn ever. Right? Right.
0: So yeah, we talked about a lot of your writing influences being like, you know, movies and TV and stuff like that. I was wondering, because when I was reading your essays and some of your poems, you don't really read like a pure humorist anymore and it kind of made me think to like back when like the new yorker had like this was before my time but like back when like they had like a very prominent humor section and they had like their humor writers were Mm. you like into those guys like i'm thinking like james thurber do you remember him at all no but and there's this other guy i didn't really read it was like sj perlman or something like that but when i was reading your stuff i almost felt like a hint of that like new yorker humor vibe in there but like very deeply updated (laughs) to, to the like, you know, cultural moment. But I definitely had like that feeling of like New Yorker humor writers. Does that that, ring true for you at all?
1: I mean, I'm going to take that with me to the grave now. I won't (laughs) ever, that's a blurb for sure. I won't ever let that down. Yeah. No, but funny when I started getting into writing seriously, the first, one of the first guys I read was Simon Rich and he was one of those Mm -hmm. wonder kids. You know, he was 20 years old writing for SNL. Had a new yorker article running weekly i always thought he was he was really funny and talented the way he would like a random object like a condom to life and tell the whole story of a condom is <laughs> like you can do that yeah i always thought that was really great and I, I i've wanted to do that for a long time ever since reading his stuff
0: yeah so i can't remember which poem it is but you talk about or maybe it wasn't. No, it was definitely a poem. You talk about um, it was something you were watching like a ton during lockdown. Oh, ninety day fiance. Yeah, it was some. It was a reality TV show. Yeah, so yeah. I hadn't heard of this, and I was like, "What is ninety day fiance?" I mean, I, I guess I kind of got the, yeah. the, the, the general idea. Yeah, the title gives. But why was it like it. that show in particular that you were like? I don't
1: really know. I think it's great to watch other people struggling more than you are. <laughs> these, these people just don't get it. They, they don't understand mm-hmm. how relationships works, and, and neither do I, but it's it's refreshing <laughs> to, to watch people who, who suck at it more than you for two yeah. hours every night. You just turn your brain off.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is kind of nice, especially in the pandemic where it feels yeah. like everything's kind of an onslaught, you know, like all your thoughts and then like all the oh, news yeah. you're reading and, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay. Time to watch 90 Day Fiancé.
1: I got so invested in the 90 Day Fiancé. There's not only 90 Day Fiancé, there's 90 Day Fiancé the other way, where they go meet them in a different country. And then there's 90 Day Fiancé, the post game show, or 90 Day Fiancé uh, uh, before the 90 days. So even before they get to the 90 days, they're having the pre game 90 days. 180 Day Fiancé. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even joined the subreddit. I'm like, where are these? I'm I'm, I'm neck deep into conspiracy theories for this reality TV show. It oh my was, gosh, it was great.
0: What else did you did you watch? Like an insane amount of TV in the pandemic. I mean, it seems like you did a lot of writing. You did a lot did of publishing. Lot. Yeah, <laughs> but was there a lot of TV in there? It was a lot. See, I, I watch more movies than TV. Yeah, you're one of the few remaining. I feel like I, everyone seems to watch a lot of series now, and like it's hard to find people who just like to watch movies. I find that especially with my students. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what are your favorite movies? They're like. Uh, I like The Office. Right, right, <laughs> like, right. Well, it's like I really love how liberally you're using the term movie. I agree with you. <laughs> <But> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> it's a great movie, yeah. <laughs> it's right. a very long movie.
1: Yeah, of course, you re- lo- I rewatched The Office a bunch, but uh-huh. I've always been a movie person. Yeah. I, I can't
0: get that. Get away from movies. One of my favorite essays in in your book was the one about Jaws. Like you can't be a cinephile until you watch Jaws. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is in a way, is kind of true. It's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, it's in the canon. <laughs> I really like Jaws. I disagree. Would you give it a C? Would <laughs> you give it like a seven? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> it's better hey, than a seven. Let's go Jurassic Park. Come on. Well, I don't know. It's tough. We could yeah. Maybe we should debate that. My wife's favorite movie is Jurassic Park. And then her yeah. second favorite movie is Twist. Sister. um twister's <laughs> but, uh, awesome uh, no we just we just watched that uh, somewhat recently and i was like the plot or like the plot structure of this movie is amazing you right, open right. the movie <laughs> and there's a tornado and then they start chasing it yeah. and then they chase a tornado like tornadoes the entire the movie. entire time and then there's one scene or so where like they're chilling at Aunt May's house or Aunt Aunt May's house eating the steaks or whatever. And then you're like, all right, cool. There's like a a down moment here in this movie. And then it's like, boom, another one, the biggest one. Just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, every piece of fiction should be structured like this. Oh yeah.
1: Just nonstop. (laughs) I think that's where Fast and Furious draws its inspiration. Mm -hmm. It's gotta
0: be. But, um, yeah, it's tough. I think like maybe the pretentious side of me is going to be like Jaws is a better movie (laughs) than Jurassic Park. But like really, (laughs) if I had to watch one right now, I think I'd I'd probably watch. You want to watch
1: dinosaurs on the big screen? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I teach intro to film at my college every once in a while, Mm -hmm. and I definitely use Jaws all the time. Uh, It's a great film. It's
1: not Jurassic Park,
0: though. Yeah, (laughs) it's kind of true. But you know what I always tell my students? Uh, Like when I find out that they're. You know, if they want to go into film or something. Mm -hmm. So so I get students who are either in one or two camps. They're obsessed with Steven Spielberg movies. (laughs) Right, right, right. Or they're like too cool for them. Oh, yeah. So I always want to go, I just want to remind you that Steven Spielberg directed Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. <laughs> insane, right? What was that? It was like 1993. Was he, was he sleeping? It, right? No. Well, maybe he didn't direct him in the same year, but he released him in the same right? year. But That's he did insane. like one, and then the other, I guess. And like, are there two com- more completely different movies in the world? Yeah, and that guy made both of them. I always love the
1: film bro on Twitter who doesn't like Tarantino.
0: You're lying. You love Kill
1: Bill. Kill Bill is fucking awesome. Stop
0: yeah. it. I was I was kind yeah. of talking. I was talking. It's funny. We're, like a lot of the stuff we're getting into, I got into like with other, like it came up with other people. I wonder if there's mm-hmm. just like going to be themes on the show. <laughs> it, <they might. laughs> we just start talking about that kind of stuff. But yeah, he was talking about how like, it's not cool to like Tarantino anymore. And like, yeah. you know, for, for, for variety of like different reasons or whatever. But we were also talking about like how, like, it's even like people now are like, oh, the Beatles, whatever. Right, like, right. What you can't, whatever the Beatles, like <laughs> yeah. you can't, yeah. you can't, whatever Spielberg, you can't, whatever the yeah. Beatles, They're like no so you can't, whatever Tarantino. You don't like them, that's one thing, or like it's not right, your thing, or right. like, maybe you don't like some thing Tarantino said that was probably offensive. Yeah. And I forget. I know he got into something I don't even remember what it was, and I'm sure he was wrong, but (laughs) you still still can't be like, meh. He like yeah, he
1: like he he has his faults. He likes his feet. Yeah. Everyone has their (laughs) (laughs) faults.
0: I know. But I mean like the guy made movies in the nineties that like changed the course of like mainstream cinema. Like it's just a fact. Like after Pulp Fiction how many movies after that right. were like crime movies where there was a ton of dialogue. Right. <laughs> like it happened all the time after that. It was like, it became like Tarantino ripoffs kind of became a genre. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for like late nineties, early two thousands and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm holding out hope for Kill Bill volume three. I I sure hope so. I, I definitely watched Kill Bill. I, I think in the theaters and I don't think I've seen it since I can't, mm-hmm. They were, the two of them were very different, right? Like one was like super action and the other one was like super slow. I thought it was more revenge. Yeah. Second one was more like slow burn. Yeah. I like his revenge stuff. I like the inglorious bastards. movie. Oh, that's so good. That was a good one. That one's great. (laughs) Um, so, you know, what are you working on now? I mean, you just, I mean, it's kind of a a bad question. I mean, you just released two books, but (laughs) do you have another one kind of when you're working on that you feel like talking about at all? Yeah. I'm kind of tossing around more poetry. I, I, I guess I'm
1: up to 15 ish poems, so I'm almost mm-hmm. on another collection. Uh, a little slower with writing right now. I've been working on longer projects. I've dipped, in, dipped in my toe a bit into the YA market. Like uh, YA, f- YA fiction? yeah so i i I, i'm on a second rewrite of my ya novel so that's that's kind
0: of that's a slow process and i have no idea where that's going do you want to give the setup for it or or you don't want to jinx it oh man i'm done let's see
1: (laughs) it's i always say it's like high school musical meets you got mail (laughs) okay (laughs) we'll see where it goes sounds good
0: yeah if any agents are listening it's i promise it's not bad (laughs) it's okay (laughs) well here's my Recommendation for the book is start it as a tornado's coming through. I think so. I think (laughs) we need more tornadoes. Yeah, and then just have them follow that the entire time. So if you're on draft three, is going to just introduce the tornado early to whatever's happening.
1: We're we're lacking a tornado villain. I think that's the
0: problem. (laughs) Yeah, you got to go full on. You got to go like disaster cinema. You got to have like. You gotta have the giant dinosaurs or the giant shark. I
1: think I know where I went wrong. In the first
0: draft. <laughs> yeah, or the yeah, or you need the tsunami. Or, yeah, yeah. So, so you just gotta go back and rewrite it as a natural disaster. I thing. think so. This is good advice. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Thank you. Um, I don't know anything about <laughs> <me> <laughs> trying either. to sell a YA book, <laughs> but it sounds like fun. I always thought about it, especially now that I have kids. I'm like, dude, I think I would rock some like. Some novels for eight to twelve year olds. Okay. <laughs> like sometimes yeah, I really like, think about you know, right. like, I bet I could nail a sports book for an eight year old, right? Yeah, I'm always like, people <laughs> thirty to forty don't find me funny, but I bet kids do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to try your stuff on a four year old, just let me know That's and I'll right. put you on a put you um, on a zoom with my kid. Like five and- minutes set. <laughs> do your five to him
1: yeah.
0: he's really into jokes now but his joke he'll, he'll, he'll like come up to me now and be like dad I gotta tell you a joke and I'll go what and he'll go poop on your head it's <laughs> gold. just start cracking up I'm like dude you got solid, this man. down yeah. I was just, like, yeah. knock knock and I'll go who's there he's like poopy <laughs> <laughs> I'm like dude oh
1: he's a class clown already
0: I know nailed it yeah <laughs> we'll have him I'll have him write in humor poems in I no think time.
1: so he's gonna be our youngest daily drunk contributor
0: yeah <laughs> actually it's funny what oh, I had your book out earlier I was reading through the poems again you know to prep and kind of remind mm-hmm. myself because I read it a few weeks ago or whenever you sent it, it was a couple weeks ago. I don't remember. And, uh, he was looking at the cover and he was like looking at the little pictures on it right, and he was right. like whispering to himself, he's like, this one looks like a unicorn. <laughs> this one looks like yeah. a ghost. This one is a monster. And then like, he was like mumbling to himself. And then he like, he like showed it to me and goes, daddy, what are these? And I was like, they're like cartoon, they're like cartoon creatures. And he's like, they're scary (laughs) so to a four year old your book is a horror book man (laughs) I got two blurbs from this family already (laughs) we're gold dude this is great (laughs) alright that's my conversation with Sean Berman go check out his books Mr. Funny Man and at the movies and if you haven't yet check out The Daily Drunk at dailydrunkmag.com Okay, that's it Thanks for listening. Till next time.